the funniest people I know. These are the funniest people I know. Said improv ripping, callers and sketches, characters and interviews, and then some more sketches. Now these are the funniest people you know. Now these are the funniest people you know. Now these are the funniest. These are the funniest. These are the funniest. These are the funniest people I know. Hello, world. Welcome to the Funniest People I Know podcast and radio show. I'm George Kaloris, and here with me today are my very funny co-hosts, Alexandria Sweat. How's it going, Alex? You know, I can't complain. And Abigail Williams. How are you, Abigail? I can always complain. When people say (laughs) that, I'm like, what do you mean? There's always something that I'm capable of complaining of, but I think that I'll second Alex's sentiment. I can't complain. (laughs) <laughs> well, awesome. And TJ Jackson. What's up, TJ? Biden's going to be president. Woo woo! I'm excited. And But Trump might not leave the White House. Weird. So I'm feeling great. Joining us today as our special guest is literally one of the funniest people I have ever met. Atlanta's funniest comedian, Mark Kendall. How's it going, Mark? Oh, I'm good. Thank you. It's so great to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. Mark, I got to be honest, I'm very excited that you're on this podcast, but George keeps saying you're the funniest comedian he knows, and it really offends me, because I'm not funnier than you (laughs) at all, but I wish you would lie to me about it just a little, you know what I mean? Like, lie, George. Mark, thank you so much for joining us. (laughs) So true. What's the funniest thing that happened to you this week? For the first time, I've been watching The Bachelorette from the beginning. Okay. (laughs) I didn't know Bachelor Nation was a thing. I was like, how have I missed this? It's been in front of me this whole time. (laughs) So I was just like, well, I got to watch this from the beginning so I have context. Mm -hmm. Last week was wild. If you watch the show, you know what I'm talking about already. If not, just take my word for it. It always feels silly saying that out loud, but I mean it. It's very true. It's great television. Basically, the show got completely broken. I mean, (laughs) the show broke. I don't know how else to say it. They had a bachelorette. And on the first day, she meets all these people. And then she meets one person. And it's like, I think I just met my fiance. And then the host comes out and is like, for real? It's like, yeah, I think I just met my husband. And then for the next three episodes, that's the only person that she showed any real interest in, despite them not having any chemistry. And so then last week, they propose and they're gone. And so they bring in another bachelorette Whoa. to continue the rest of the season. It was nuts. So do they keep all the contestants? They brought in a new bachelorette, and I guess everyone that's still there is going to stay. But what goes on from here, I don't know. Wow. You said you don't feel like they had chemistry? Yeah, no. When they would talk with each other, it would just be like, what do you like about me? And it's like, I like your strength. (laughs) (laughs) They don't know each other. This is a huge beef of mine with The Bachelor or The Bachelorette. None of these people know each other. And imagine watching the season after you've married so-and-so. Now you got to watch them making out, being sexual with all these other people. And you're like, okay, I'm trying to be cool. But then they drag you on television and make you watch it and talk (laughs) through it together. They want you to fail. I've never heard of that happening. Shocking. (laughs) Alex is literally speechless. I'm just flabbergasted. I was really into it. And then you said, Sis left with the guy that she said, this is my fiance. I love him. Yes. What a move. I don't have time for your game. Find a new bachelorette mid-season. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) that is true. After the show's been on for like 500 seasons, 
they finally had a bachelorette who twisted it. And it's like, I'm going to peace out two episodes in. Bye. She said the original guys stayed for the new bachelorette. How do they even select the guys? And are these guys even a good select for the new bachelorette? Have you messed up the new bachelorette's chance at a real good mate? My mind is blown. (laughs) those are all the exact correct questions because i don't know the answers to any of that my thought is the guys that they picked would match with the first bachelorette that was in there but now that she's gone and they brought in a new person i don't know this is what americans do for entertainment we torture (laughs) people emotionally on television that's what we like this is the gladiator of our time this is disgusting it is such a crazy (laughs) show it really is Sometimes they'll go on a date where it'll be 10 or 12 dudes all dating the one person, the bachelor or the bachelorette. So they go on the date, and one of their dates is a roast. So they all take time to write jokes. Margaret Cho is there to guide the process. <laughs> all these dudes, one after the other, go up and tell roast jokes. And 90% of them, they're roasting this one dude that's getting all the attention from the oh, bachelorette. Man. And it's like a roast of oh, him. Man. And then it backfires. And you're like, what am I even watching? What is this? (laughs) I got to be honest. Like one of the most cringe worthy things to me in life is watching non-comedians try to tell jokes. I think it would do the opposite. Like this girl's got to be sitting there like, you're not funny. So you're no longer attractive to me. Wow. Talk about a buzzkill if you were attracted to somebody and then they just fail. Well, what was weird was they were telling these jokes and they thought they were funny, but she was not impressed for the most part. Oh man, I'm uncomfortable. I can't breathe. (laughs) (laughs) That's not a really good way to woo someone either, roasting them. You're a comedian, Mark. Have you ever tried that to roast your dates? No. (laughs) (laughs) Or have you ever tried to roast your dates, (laughs) ex-boyfriends? No. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I just, there's so much there. It was wild. Wow. Uh, Yeah, that was some of the big news this week was what went down on The Bachelorette. Listen, I have a friend who I sing with occasionally who has a Finsta, but has thousands of followers as a bachelor and bachelorette commentator. I'm not kidding. She gives her hot takes and has thousands and thousands of followers. And sometimes we'll be at gigs and she is sitting there like, oh, these comments <laughs> are going after me for this one thing I said, but it's totally justified. And I'm like, what is this? This is a job. I've really missed my calling. I really have. That's what I need to be doing. Finsta, bachelorette, making that money. <laughs> I got to go, guys. I got to go make some- <laughs> She has so much stuff going on there that somehow there's money happening, but I don't know the ins and outs of that. She makes money from it? Scouts on her. Or does she like promote Fresca every few comments and be like, wow, the Bachelor is crazy tonight. Get your Fresca. Is he sponsored? How does this work? Why do I have to watch her? <laughs> Look, TJ, I don't know. I'll ask her and I'll find out. I'll get to the bottom of it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get her on to the next show. She also sounds hilarious. The premise of that is great because she takes it seriously. So I'll be like, so there's this thing you do that you take very seriously, but me and my friends think it's hilarious. Could you come on my show? (laughs) That's how I always sell it. I don't know how I never get people to come on. 
<laughs> Besides the Bachelorette, the other big news that came out this week was a surprise announcement by Pfizer that they think they found a COVID vaccine. What did you guys think about this? I'm hearing about it now, George. <laughs> <laughs> I should not be your news source. Well, the internet has been making me crazy the last month, yeah. so I've been taking a break. I got the news notification from MSNBC and it was saying that it might be 90% effective. And I was like, Mm-mm, no, we have newly elected president. And all of a sudden we have a vaccine. It's too 2020 for me to handle. We were just acting two months ago. Like it's going to be three years before we get a vaccine. I'm exaggerating, but it didn't seem like we were going to get one before the end of the year. So I'm just a little thrown off by the news. I'm by no means an anti-vaxxer, but my biggest fear right now is that this COVID vaccine is the cause of the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> this is from the New York Times. Vaccines typically require years of research and testing before reaching the clinic. Let me just stop right there. I think that's everything I need to know about how I feel about this current vaccine. I am a vaccinated human being, but pretty fast. I'll let everybody else try it first. And then in a couple of years, we'll see how they're doing. And if they're doing great, maybe I'll get it. Not confident. It'll be years. It'll be after they die and then they come back as zombies that we find out what really happened. Right. I guess it would be more pleasant to turn into a zombie from vaccine than to be eaten alive. True. Would you be like Wolverine? You heal yourself? Is that how that would work if you turned into a zombie from a vaccine? I don't think that that's at all how that would work. No. <laughs> <laughs> zombies don't heal themselves. You just combine two random things. I just feel like that's how it will work. In my opinion, when it comes to the trial period of vaccines, that's when they should invest and make it into a reality show. I think that's how you get America on board with things generally, is you put it out on a reality show. They all have COVID, but we have one vaccine. Who is going to die? This feels wildly unethical, but that's fine. <laughs> Play games, you know? Like, wow. They can roast each other. Yeah. <laughs> no, this is awful. No, I just participated. TJ, what did you do to me? <laughs> TJ, are you going to be our official show volunteer to be the first to get the vaccine? Yeah, I'll let y'all know. I'll keep checking in. Okay, awesome. Our guest this week, Mark, is literally one of the funniest comedians in Atlanta. He won the award years ago. He wrote and starred in a brilliant one-man show called The Magical Negro and Other Blackness. Yeah. You describe it as a one-man sketch comedy show about the super accurate, multidimensional, totally realistic, and definitely never erroneous, distorted, or one-sided ways black males are portrayed in the media. And I like that as a tag. <laughs> The show is brilliant. I've seen it many times. You've toured around the country. That's really what introduced me to you. What was your inspiration? I remember watching Song of the South in college, and that character was really odd. I think it was kind of a mix of how images like that were taught in my regular film classes versus my African-American studies classes, and how they were taught in two completely different ways. Even it was covering the same periods of history and the same movies and like with two different stories. And that always kind of struck me as odd. And that also kind of, I think, informed a lot of what I liked about sketch comedy at that time. And so I think it kind of came from that. Awesome. One of the sketches from that show was the If Marta Came to Cobb County sketch, which you put out as a video this spring. And it kind of broke the internet. It's one of the most popular video sketches I've ever seen. People writing articles about it. How do you feel about the way it was received? 
it was cool. It was weird. When we put it out, we had had the video for months. We shot it. And then the next weekend, everything shut down pretty much. And so we had it. We were like, no one's riding the bus. Why put this video out? But then I was screening my show as a fundraiser. So I was just like, well, let me just release this ahead of that. Can we briefly describe the whole situation, that whole background? Yeah, sure. Cobb County and Gwinnett, too, several times have shut down public transportation expanding to those suburbs. And a lot of times an argument that's used is that they don't want public transportation to come to the neighborhood because they feel that crime will follow. It's that's hilarious. Kind of like a thinly veiled way of saying that they don't want Black people to be able to come to their neighborhoods. Atlanta has a history of carving up the city in such a way to keep people out of certain areas. But the obvious thing about that is, is that it makes life more difficult for anyone. And the idea of someone taking public transportation to break into your home to steal your items, whatever it is, is ridiculous. It's absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. Every time in Gwinnett County, we would have this vote. That's what my husband and I would say. What's going to happen? Somebody's going to come up break into this house, take our TV, and then on Marta with this huge TV. And your piano. Yeah, my piano is in massive danger. I'm terrified. <laughs> I locked that thing up with a padlock. <laughs> I remember when I first saw the Marta sketch and how it touched my spirit. Because when I first moved down here, I was used to more public transportation in Louisville and then moving to Smyrna and seeing that you have to take a CCT, which might come, might not. You might see it on a Monday. You might not see it until the following Monday. It is not a consistent schedule for this mode of transportation. And that's the thing that you have to take if you want to try to transfer to a MARTA from COP. And I was like, nah, y'all tripping. I'm just going to have to be a car rider. I'm just going to have to suck up these gas prices. That just blew me away, especially because Smyrna is like 15 minutes from Midtown. <laughs> it's so Atlanta, though. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe you might get a bus. I don't know. Maybe you might get your election results tonight. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe you might be on tomorrow. Maybe next week. So I don't know. Whenever we feel like it. I saw it going around again last week when Gwinnett County voted against public transit. And suddenly I started seeing people sharing that sketch. And it's just so perfect for a response to that. So I'm really glad that you put that out there. Mark, are we going to see a sequel now that Gwinnett County voted against the city's Marta expansion? We've done a video for Cobb and we've done a video for Gwinnett. And the reason we did Gwinnett was because it was on the ballot. I like doing stuff with that particular mix of actors. So maybe not necessarily a direct sequel to Marta, but something where it's that dynamic of the five of us playing together. So it'll probably be those group of characters coming back. What the premise is, I'm not sure. I've seen you put out some other stuff. You put out the Green Eggs and Ham story. I saw the ghost tour right before Halloween. What should we be expecting next? Saturday night, I put out a video kind of exploring the Four Seasons Total Landscaping mistake. Oh yeah, I saw that. We have a couple of videos made. I just don't know what we want to put out next. What have you been doing to create comedy during the pandemic time where theaters and stuff have been closed? I do Star Bar virtually every Monday. That's kind of like the performance aspect for me. I'm not doing any of the outdoor shows or the live shows or anything, but that's what I do over Zoom each week. And then Bill Worley, who directs and edits all the videos, he's so good. We try to make videos as often as we can. So that's mostly what it's been, just trying to write 
scripts and shoot those. I know one subject that you're passionate about is the Vanessa Hudgens movie, Princess Switch. Oh yeah, for sure. Where she plays two identical strangers. And halfway through the Marta sketch, you just do an aside and discuss Vanessa Hudgens. That was not me acting. That was just me talking. They filmed it and we kept it in. Once we're inside the house, we only have time to go after the good stuff, all right? I'm talking about Xbox controllers and pianos. But if we have extra time, we're gonna mess around in their house, all right? So we're gonna go into their refrigerator, take all that Chobani yogurt, right? We're gonna uh, go upstairs, ride their Peloton bike. We're gonna log on to their Netflix account and watch the Netflix original movie, The Princess Switch, starring Vanessa Hudgens of High School Musical fame, in which Vanessa Hudgens of High School Musical fame plays two identical strangers, which is a stretch given her acting ability. Ain't trying to throw no shade at Vanessa Hudgens. I'm just stating the facts. Anyway, in this movie, Vanessa Hudgens plays two identical strangers, and both identical strangers have the same hand tattoo, yet is never addressed in the plot, and it really gets in your head. Anyway, back to robbing this piano. I love it. Oh, thank you. The Vanessa Hudgens movie, The Princess Switch, is an excellent Netflix original movie. It's as if a computer wrote it, (laughs) where it's just like, how can we fit in everything that everyone likes about Christmas, rom-com movies, and fit it into this 90-minute movie? There's so many things that I love about that film. People have written articles about all the wonderful, silly things. One thing, for example, you meet Vanessa Hudgens' first character, who's a baker living in Chicago. She's walking around with a hat that says Chicago. Here I am, <laughs> Chicago. Not a White Sox hat, not a Chicago Bull hat, not a Chance the Rapper hat, but it just says Chicago in Times New Roman or whatever. Times New Roman, thank you. <laughs> a sequel is on our way, November 19th. The Princess Switch sequel is coming out. I watched the trailer for the first time today. It's going to be better than the first one, I predict. According to the trailer, Vanessa Hudgens and her lookalike, also played by Vanessa Hudgens, not only are they going to attempt to switch places again, but there's a third Vanessa Hudgens character. And I say this from a place of love. It was already a lot to ask of Vanessa Hudgens to play two distinct characters in the same movie. And now you're asking her to do three? Oh my God. That's wild. Wow. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. It's going to be so good. Not to mention, how's the plot even going to (laughs) work? How are we going to be able to keep track of all this? I'm so excited. I need some red wine when I watch this because you have sold me, Mark. The nutty professor elements of multiple characters played by one actor. Like you, I am curious as to how Vanessa Hudgens is going to handle such a task. Well, let me tell you what the internet say. EW says Vanessa Hudgens is a triple threat. Now, a triple threat for old school actors like me, like singing, dancing, acting. But and I guess that's what's going to happen in here. I guess that's what we're going to see. And now there's three of her, so it's like a nine-time threat. <laughs> It's going to be so good. I'm so excited. And the first one was great. It was fantastic. (laughs) Well, Alex recently got sucked into another series. She did a pop culture blind spot for us and watched the first couple episodes of Downton Abbey. And you're hooked now, Alex, right? I am hooked. I am a fan of As the World, Downton Abbey's, as I like to call it, because it is a soap opera like all of the classics. I have been swept up into the story of Downton Abbey. I talked about episodes one through three. Now, four through seven, it's a whirlwind. 
we're just going to start with the staff. Bates, please stop self-sabotaging. You got arrested. You did your prison time. You're out. You got a good job. Just keep your good job, man. Like these people don't need to know your business. That is just my advice for him. I just want him to live his best life. Thomas and Miss O'Brien, if I could find them and fight them, I would do it right now because both of them try my spirit. Thomas playing with innocent Daisy who has this sweet little naive crush on him when he knows daggone well he does not want anything to do with Daisy. Miss O'Brien, she's out here wanting to take people out. So she thinks people want to take her out. She's over here influencing Thomas, who probably wasn't even this maniacal to begin with. I want to know how they even linked up and became a team or a dynamic duo or whatever they think themselves to be when they go on those smoke breaks. But I am done with Thomas and Miss O'Brien. Baby girl Daisy, you have sweet William, who has just lost his mother. And he just seems to be a gentle soul who wants to do his work. Meanwhile, shady ass Thomas is mad because someone is in the house doing their job like they're supposed to. And so he's going to now come in and try to interfere with the love that is supposed to be between Daisy and William. I'm sick of it. I love the way that they interweave this story of having to live in servitude and how you sacrifice so much of your personal life because You just want to get away. It seems like most of these people are coming from rural life. Their vehicle for that is working in service for the Grantham family. But that's the staff. Now the Granthams, where the money's at. My heavens. Lord Grantham, he's just (laughs) rich, minding his business. Then Corey gets pregnant. He's like, oh, yay. But he's very much a man of the time. When the doctor tries to give details about Cora's condition, he's like, oh, no, no, no. I don't care. I'll wait till the baby gets here. But yes this medical condition Ew, she's pregnant right pregnancy is a condition i forget it's a medical condition you know the most basic natural thing in the world also better make sure that baby's a boy cora she's just awesome she is living her rich life and i love it (laughs) decadent and as prissy as she wants to be But then she slips on soap because Miss O'Brien is the devil and had some sort of Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde moment where she thought she was going to put the soap on the floor and then went in the bedroom and was like, no, why did you do that? And then next thing you know, ah, I've fallen. And now Cora's had a miscarriage and Mm -hmm. we're like really sad. I wanted to see it. We could have had an heir. Now that takes us to Lady Mary, our lovely Lady Mary is now once again stuck in a dilemma of who she's going to marry because sis is determined to not make up her mind. She has gone between James Crawley to the handsome Turk who mysteriously died after trying to rape her, but she's not trying to accept that and is now taking on a lie (laughs) about something that happened to her where she was actually victimized and could use this to her advantage, but she's choosing not to. And I'm really confused. I'm going with it. Leaves that man to the older Lord guy who she's definitely not interested in, but Edith is. And then back to James Crawley, who goes along with it. And then (laughs) Mary takes too long to make up her mind once he proposes, because he finally proposes. But then some shady aunt comes in who I was like, where'd you come from, auntie? Mary advice and making Mary be even more indecisive than she's already dedicated to being. Yes. Then 
she decides to tell James Crawley that she wants to marry him. But he's like, nah, girl, you took too long. I can't do this. <laughs> Edith, baby girl Edith in the middle, who we just want to root for. Then she writes a letter to the Turkish ambassador spreading lies about a situation that does not have to be a lie because Mary, girl, it is not your fault what happened. You were done wrong. I digress. She does put out bad vibes. It's fascinating. It is really, truly fascinating to me. But then she catches the eye of the old guy and they are actually kind of cute together. The age dynamic, make it happen. But then Mary comes in with the alley-oop and says, oh yeah, Edith doesn't really care for you. She's just using you to get back at me. <laughs> and now Edith loses her chance at romance. We have one more sister, Sybil, who gets harem pants, y'all. Sybil's a feminist. <laughs> yeah, she came downstairs and she was like, come on, y'all, check me out with these pants. And they were like, oh, I loved it. But the pants were cute. It had a nice color, cute little material. That shipment probably took forever. She probably ordered that last year. As a feminist, she helps Gertrude to get a job and to network. I was like, come on with the network connections. I really appreciated her. And then she said, and I'm going to go out here to these protests. And has the valet that is with Lady Sybil takes her to these protests. And she's just out here learning about the world until she gets knocked in the head and falls down. And then they have to hurry up and take her back home and try to act like she wasn't out in these streets protesting when she was already told to keep her ass at home. <laughs> my favorite, the two old ladies. I say this with all the love in my heart because I love me some Countess and Mrs. Crawley and their beef is the best beef here since Jay-Z and Nas, I am telling you. And when Miss Crawley called out the Countess for them flowers and stances, <laughs> I know you have not laid one hand in that garden. Why are you winning for these flowers when you know that it belongs to Mosley? And Mosley got the award and he was so touched. The Countess out-doctoring Mrs. Crawley when the valet had a rash on his hand and the countess knew it was a rash and here comes mrs crawley like you have tuberculosis of the hand or whatever <laughs> she diagnosed him with it was just poison ivy i loved everything about that and then we end with a war and we are now in world war one and fighting against germany and we have crossed two whole years in one season and I am exhausted but I am ready to jump into season two. <laughs> season two is so good too. It's so good. That was all season one? Wow. Well, thanks, Alex. That's really funny. I'm glad you're hooked. A few weeks ago, Abigail presented a dramatization of a moment with her mom where she had to read the lyrics of Genie in a Bottle to her mom. And I had a similar incident with the song You Oughta Know with Alanis Morissette, which inspired me to bring this week's segment, Lyrics for Mom, the Alanis edition. Alexandria, I'd like for you to read as mom. And Abigail, you'll read as young 15, 16-year-old George. We're in the living room in the mid-90s. George, come in here. Yeah, what's up? Who was the name of the singer whose concert you went to? Um, Alice Mosmo? Uh, Alanis Morissette? What about her? They say on Oprah that she's a bad influence. I don't know, because people are stupid. The woman on Oprah mentioned one song, You Need to Know, 
You ought to know. Don't correct me. You know what I meant. Okay, what about it? I want you to read me the lyrics. Okay, Mom. This is stupid. She just sings about relationship drama. Read me the lyrics. I played her music for you before and you liked it. Read me the lyrics. So at this point, I run upstairs and begrudgingly return with the album and pull the lyric book out and open it up. (sighs) It's not that bad. Now make me say it again. Okay. I want you to know that I'm happy for you. I wish nothing but the best for you both. See, it's... Keep going. An older version of me. Is she perverted like me? Perverted? You like a song about perverts? No, it's not about perverts, Mom. She's just mad at her ex-boyfriend. And he's a pervert? No, no one is a pervert. She's asking about his new girlfriend. Why do you like perverted music, George? Oh, my God. It's not about perverts. It's just a dumb lyric. That's not even the best part of the song. Okay, then. Keep reading. Never mind. I don't really like her anyway. You went to the concert. Yeah, it wasn't that good. You said it was amazing. You haven't shut up about it for weeks, and now I find out she's some kind of pervert. She's not a pervert. Okay, then keep reading. I'm not doing this. I attempt to storm off. George, sit your ass down and read the next line. (sighs) Is she perverted like me? Would she go down on you in a theater? Does she's doing what in a theater? End scene. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you guys took me back to a moment. Alex is not my mom, and I'm still turning bright red. (laughs) I am so uncomfortable right now. (laughs) (laughs) Mark, did your parents ever make you read lyrics to them? No. Usually it was just like, oh, I remember that sample. That's kind of as far as like conversation. Yeah. My parents were both immigrants who listened mostly to Greek music. So when mom found out about something that we were listening to that we shouldn't, we were in trouble. And to this day, I remember her. She does what in a theater? I didn't know what that meant at the time. I bought the edited versions. I remember going with my mom to the mall to buy the blueprint when it came out. I guess just because it was an edited version, it was fine. This has been another episode of The Funniest People I Know. Thank you so much, Mark Kendall, for joining us today. Oh, thanks for having me. This is fun. If you guys are interested, follow Mark online. Look up his videos. We'll link some in the show notes. And check out his Star Bar virtual shows at twitch.tv slash Rotney Presents. That's Rotney, R-O-T-K-N-E-E Presents. We record for the Georgia Radio Reading Service. Thank you so much, producer Jane Boynton, who edits the show. If you enjoy the show, please like, review, subscribe, share with a friend. We're available on every service, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Amazon Podcasts. You can email us at funniestpeopleiknow at gmail.com or find us on Instagram and Facebook at funniestpeopleiknow. Have a hilarious week. Bye. Biden. Biden.